Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. This week, the Catholic Church celebrates yet another great Marian feast day. It's the Feast of the Queenship of Mary this week, where we remember the great Catholic doctrine of Mary as Queen of Heaven and Earth. But where on earth do Catholics get the idea that Mary's a queen? Where is that in the Bible? Uh, I mean, why do you walk into a Catholic church and see maybe a stained glass window or a statue depicting Mary with a crown on her head? Where Where is that in Scripture? Or why do Catholics sing these songs calling Mary a queen like Salve Regina or Hail Holy Queen enthroned above? Again, where is this in Scripture? Is this just another example of Catholics exaggerating Mary's role? You know, they, they we know that Jesus is a king, so we have to make Mary, you know, on par with Jesus. And so Catholics have to make Mary be a queen. Is that where this is coming from? I want you to know that the doctrine of Mary's queenship is something that goes back very early in the Christian church. It goes way back early on the first couple centuries of Christianity, and it has profound biblical roots. There's a great biblical theme, and we could see it in multiple chapters, and I want to unpack this for you in today's episode. I want to make it really easy for you to understand Mary's queenship and be able to articulate it confidently to others from Scripture. But before we do that, my friends, I need your help. I need your help with something. I have some exciting new developments in the podcast that are going to be coming out this fall, but I really want to get your feedback on a couple of things. I, I have a short survey that I'd love you to fill out, and if you do, uh, you can. your name is going to be thrown into a drawing, and you'll have a chance to win uh, a free book of mine. So there'll be three winners, and each of them will win a free signed copy of one of my books, and there'll be a grand prize we're going to give away. I have this new, uh, new resource available. It's a USB drive that contains nine talks of mine. So a USB drive that you can easily plug into your car, plug into your computer. Uh, you can listen to it anywhere. It has nine talks on there. It retails for $30, uh, but uh, you'll get it for free. And it has my talks like on biblical walk through the mass, walking with Mary into his likeness, men, women, the mystery of love, the realities of marriage, who am I to judge, uh, engaging our, uh, our secular age. Uh, and so multiple talks, there's nine talks all in this one. Uh, free USB drive that you can get as the grand prize winner. So four prizes, three books, and the USB with nine talks. All you need to do, here you go, ready? It's just simple. You go to my website. Go to my website, edwardsreed.com slash podcast. So edwardsreed.com slash podcast, and you'll go there, and there'll be an opportunity to click to, to do a, a short survey. It'll just take a few minutes, and you can give me feedback on the kinds of topics you've appreciated that we've done in the past, topics you'd like to hear about in the future, any questions that you might have. Uh, this is going to really help me as we're shaping the podcast moving forward here this fall. You can help me shape it. So again, go to edwardsreed.com slash podcast just a few minutes to fulfill that that survey you could do it on your phone you could do it uh, on your computer really easily and your name will be entered in the drawing uh, for three winners of a free book and one winner of that USB drive with nine of my free talks so please go there ever3.com uh, slash podcast thank you for doing that but let's return now to the topic at hand you know this week with the Feast of Mary's Queenship, some people, I think, are might wonder about this. Where is this in the Bible? I mean, I know Jesus is a king, but Mary, I remember this as a kid. I, I went to Catholic schools, and I remember hearing about Mary's queenship. We had maid crownings and the fifth glorious mystery of the rosary. And I can remember even as like a little seventh grader wondering, why is Mary the queen? She's not the wife of the King Jesus. 
well, I don't even, this doesn't make any sense. Why is she the queen? Even as a little kid, I, I, I just sensed there was something off there. But I sensed there was something off because I didn't really know the biblical tradition, because there isn't something off if you know Scripture well, if you understand Jesus' kingdom from a biblical perspective. You see, when you go back into the, the kingdom that God is, uh, is bringing uh, in, in Jesus Christ, the, the, there's a whole background to the story of Christ's kingdom in the Old Testament, many prophecies and foreshadowings and prefigurings all about this kingdom. It's the kingdom of David. And in the Davidic kingdom, every king had a queen mother. The queenship was given to the queen mother, to the mother of the king. And and that's just the way it was done in, in several ancient Near Eastern cultures. And it was done that way in Israel as well. But you find this in scripture and it makes sense. I mean, think about this. You know, many of these kings had many wives. They had large harems. Just take King Solomon, for example. Do you remember King Solomon? He had 700 wives. And on top of that, he had 300 concubines. And so you couldn't give the queenship to a thousand different women. That, that, that just wouldn't be workable. But every king had only one mother, and the queenship was given to her. That's what you find in ancient Israel. That's what you find in other ancient Near Eastern cultures. But you see it in the Old Testament. When you read the stories of the kings in First and Second Kings, you're, you're almost every time going to read about a new king in the, in the kingdom of David taking the throne, and alongside him is mentioned his mother the queen mother. She's an important figure in the kingdom, but she's not just some figurehead position. The queen mother in the Old Testament had three important roles, three important ways in which she officially carried out her uh, her office, her authority as the queen mother. First of all, I just want to highlight, she had a, a royal office. It wasn't a figurehead position. It was a real royal office. Second, Kings chapter 24 lists the, the various people in the, the administration of the king, if you will. And one of the first people mentioned in this list is the queen mother. She plays an important role. I think even more important of a biblical background to the, to the queen mother role is Jeremiah chapter 13, where it describes how the queen mother was wearing a crown and she had a throne uh, alongside her son, who also had a crown and a throne. But both the queen mother and the royal son, the king, had a crown had a throne. And here's the key. Jeremiah 13 says both of them, both of them were responsible for shepherding the people. So the queen mother wasn't just like, oh, a nice honorific role. She's mom. The king likes mom. Well, it was a lot more than that. She actually shepherded the people. She had a royal responsibility to lead the flock of the people in the kingdom with her son. So it's an official role. You read about that in Jeremiah chapter 31. You could see her listed in the list of administrative members in 2 Kings 24. So that's the first thing I want to highlight. It was an official royal office, not a figurehead position. It had real royal authority. Secondly, she served as a counselor. The queen mother served as a counselor, a close advisor to her royal son. And again, this was common in the ancient Near Eastern world. You see it there, right there in the kingdom of Judah of old, and you get glimpses of it in the Old Testament. One of the best passages that exemplifies this is in Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs 31 is all about a queen mother giving advice 
to her royal son, her son, the king. And she gives him advice about how to rule the people with justice, how to take care of the poor, how not to drink too much alcohol. But one of the biggest pieces of advice she gives, and probably one of the most important things she tells him is, you must choose a good wife. And here's the qualities of a good wife. Uh, so you see the, the queen mother has a royal office, but in Proverbs 31, you clearly see she has that role of counselor, a close advisor to the king. But I want to go to the third and most significant way that Queen Mother carried out her royal authority. She served as an advocate for the people, an intercessor for the people, where the citizens of the kingdom would come to the Queen Mother and bring their petitions to the Queen Mother. And then the Queen Mother would carry those petitions to her royal son. Again, uh, people have done studies on ancient Eastern kingdoms and pointed out you find this in a number of other kingdoms around Israel. You see it right here in the kingdom of Judah itself in the Old Testament scriptures. One of the best places to go to exemplify this is found in 1 Kings chapter 1, and in 1 Kings chapter 2, I love taking people into this passage here. Here we learn about one of the first queen mothers, Bathsheba. Now, let me tell you about Bathsheba. You may remember Bathsheba was the, the wife of David. She was uh, someone that, that, that David stole of the wife of Uriah and made, him, made her his own wife. Uh, you may remember that dramatic story. Uh, but for our purposes, I want to look at what happens uh, toward the end of David's life. Bathsheba wants to go see her royal husband, her husband David. And she's just one of the many wives of David. And I'm, I'm sure David liked her a lot, but, but she's still just one of the wives. And when she goes to meet David, she goes to the royal chamber. She has to bow down before David. She has to pay him homage. She says, may David the king live forever. And, and that's how she has to treat David when she's just the wife of the king. I mean, imagine, I like to ask you lady listeners out there who are married, imagine if this is, uh, you're, you're the wife and you have to go visit your royal husband <laughs> who, when he's on the throne of his lazy boy chair watching a football game on a Sunday afternoon in the fall. And you have, and, and before you talk to him, you got to go in and bow down before him, pay him homage, say, oh, may my husband live forever. Well, poor Bathsheba, that's how she felt when she was just the wife of the king. But something dramatically changes in the next chapter, 1 Kings chapter 2. David has died, and now Bathsheba's son, Solomon, is on the throne. He's the one reigning as king. And so if her own son is the king, what does that make Bathsheba? It makes her the queen mother. And, and so she serves in this role as queen mother now, and she's treated very differently once she's queen mother. As soon as she's queen mother, all of a sudden, people from the kingdom go to her with petitions. And there's a man that comes and says, here, take this petition to, to your son Solomon. He won't refuse you. In other words, it was just assumed that the queen mother was the powerful advocate. She took petitions from the people to her son. She was a powerful intercessor, and the king would answer her petitions. Uh, and so that's just what's assumed right away. As soon as she's queen mother, people bring petitions to her. And then when she goes to that same royal chamber, she goes not as just a wife, one of the wives of the kings, she goes as the mother of the king. And notice how she's treated differently. If you look at 1 Kings chapter 1, we see that instead of her having to bow down before King Solomon, what happens is it's, it's in reverse. 
the king, Solomon, stands up. He rises, stands up to honor her, and then bows down to honor her, and then has his servants bring in a throne to be placed at his right hand for her. The right hand, the position in scripture of authority. Talk about a, a, a dramatic change in events. She is now treated with such great honor as the queen mother, now that her son is reigning as king. She's not just the wife of a king with David. She's the mother of the king, King Solomon. She's queen mother. She's treated with great honor. And as she walks in, she tells Solomon, I have a petition to bring to you. I have a request to to present before you. And you know what Solomon says? Solomon says, ask my mother, whatever you ask for, I will grant. It's such a beautiful passage here showing the the way that the the role of the queen mother works in ancient Israel. So uh, I think this background here about the queen mother, do you think this might shed any light on Mary and Mary's queenship? (laughs) Think about that, right? Because when you look at the New Testament, who's the king? Jesus is the king. And who is Mary? Mary is clearly revealed as the mother. So I don't need a biblical proof text to go prove, oh, hey, let me go to this verse to show you Mary must be the queen. If you are just a good biblical believing Christian, if you're someone who allows God's word, his inspired word to shape the way you look at reality, if you understand then the biblical tradition of the queen mother, that the mother of the king was the one who reigned as queen and she served as a powerful advocate for the people to to her son, bringing petitions from the people to her son. Then when you look at the New Testament and you see Mary is the mother of the King Jesus, you just make the connection. Of course, she must be the queen mother. It's no wonder that some of the earliest Christians, some of those earliest church fathers recognized and expressed the beauty of Mary's royal role, her royal dignity as the mother of the king. But I've got some good news for you it's actually even better than this in scripture. So I don't need a biblical proof text. I think if you just follow the biblical pattern, you follow the biblical framework of the queen mother tradition in the Old Testament, you see Jesus is the king and Mary is the mother. That equals Mary being queen mother. You just make that connection. But the good news for all of us is there are some passages that really bring this out. If I had more time, I would tell you about Revelation chapter 12, where the mother of the king appears with 12 stars on her head, clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet. I may do a whole podcast just on Revelation 12. It's so rich in in meaning about Mary, but there's a lot of questions about that. So I'm going to set that one aside for a moment. If I had more time with you, I'd also want to talk to you about the scene in Matthew chapter two of the Magi coming to honor Jesus as king and how Mary plays a crucial role there that they're also honoring Mary as queen mother in that scene. If I had more time, I would try to unpack that for you. But For today, I want to go to the one that's going to be the clearest, the simplest for you, and that comes in Luke chapter 1, verse 43, the scene of the visitation. You know the story. Mary goes to visit her kinswoman, Elizabeth. But when Elizabeth comes out to greet Mary, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, the biblical text says. Uh, That means she has prophetic insight. She knows that Mary's pregnant without Mary ever saying anything. You know, Mary didn't say, hey, Elizabeth, I'm pregnant, you know, and she didn't change her status on Facebook or send a tweet or a a, a text message saying, I'm preg too, you know. No, she didn't do that. Uh, um, Elizabeth is given prophetic insight by the power of the Holy Spirit to know that Mary is pregnant. And she knows that Mary is pregnant not with any ordinary child, but with the Holy Son of God. 
And so in awe of this mystery, what does, what does Elizabeth say? Elizabeth says, why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She's just in awe over this mystery that the mother of the Messiah, the mother of the Son of God, the mother of the King is coming to her. Now, I want you to know that this language, mother of my Lord, that is royal language. You see, in the Old Testament, who is my Lord? My Lord is an expression used to address the King. There is the Lord. The Lord is God. But my Lord is an expression used to address the king. Read 2 Samuel chapter 24. There's a servant in the kingdom that says, my, my, my Lord, the king, David. When, someone, when the servant's talking to David, he calls David, my Lord, the king. And so my Lord is an expression of royalty, expressing uh, someone's, uh, honoring someone as the king. So when Elizabeth says in Luke chapter 1, verse 43, inspired by the Holy Spirit, when she says, why is it granted to me? that the mother of my Lord is coming to me. Mother of my Lord. Who is my Lord? My Lord is the King. Elizabeth is saying, Mary, is you are the mother of my Lord. In other words, you're the mother of my King. You're the mother of the great son of David. You're the mother of the Messiah, the anointed King. And, and Elizabeth here is subtly recognizing Mary as the mother of the King. And in the biblical tradition, what does that put Mary in? What position is she? She's the queen mother there. <laughs> so Luke chapter 1, verse 43, the visitation is a great passage. Mary is revealed, revealed in the inspired word of God as the mother of my Lord. In other words, the mother of my king. You read that in light of the rest of inspired scripture, and that means she is the queen mother. And again... It, if you just follow the biblical pattern, she's the mother of the king, of course she's queen mother, then that sheds a lot of light on her role as advocate for the people. She is our advocate. We are the citizens of the kingdom. That's why we instinctively want to go to her with our petitions. We bring our needs to Mary. Of course, we go to Jesus directly, but Jesus wants us to share our needs with all the brothers and sisters here on earth. So I share needs with all of you. I ask you to pray for me uh, and my family. I, our family, we pray for each other. My friends, we pray for each other. That's good. It builds up love in the body of Christ. And Jesus wants us to turn to all the saints and the greatest saint of all, his mother, and bring petitions before her. But she singled out in scripture as having this crucial role as the advocate, as the queen mother. That's what the queen mother does. She brings petitions from the citizens of the kingdom to the royal son. Do you love Jesus? Are you a citizen of his kingdom as a Christian disciple? Absolutely. Then you want to follow the biblical pattern of going to the Queen Mother to go to Mother Mary and bring petitions to her so she can present them to her royal son because those prayers are so powerful. So let's turn to Mary, our Queen Mother, and ask her always to pray for us and for all of our needs. I want to remind you of a, a couple things here. First of all, please go to that uh, survey, if you can check that out, uh, edwards3.com slash podcast, edwards3.com slash podcast. Please go there uh, and click on the survey. Just give me some feedback about the podcast and let me know what you like, what what other topics we could include, anything that uh, on your mind. I, I really want to take that in consideration as we uh, add on these new enhancements coming up here this fall, and your name will be entered into the drawing. We'll have three winners that can win a free book and one grand prize winner that can win a free USB drive that contains nine of my talks. So uh, you can fill that out there, edwards3.com slash podcast. 
Also, if you have any questions about Mary, uh, a lot of what I'm drawing from here about Mary's queenship is in my new book on Mary called Rethinking Mary in the New Testament, published by Ignatius Press and the Augustine Institute. Rethinking Mary in the New Testament, that book is on every New Testament reference to Mary. Every little word, every little detail, trying to unpack all that we can glean from Scripture uh, about Our Lady. So you can check that out there. So fill out the survey for me, my friends. Always send questions to me on my website or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You're in my prayers. I'll be praying for you. Thanks so much, and God bless.